This is a, uh, a reading that we're all participating in. This is the time where these words are constructed to give us an opportunity to express what's already in our hearts. There's a part that uh, Evelyn's going to read and a part Anita will read, but then when you see the bold print come up, there's a response from the congregation that we all read together as we dedicate this building, this facility, to its task of facilitating ministry. To the glory of God, our Father and Creator. To the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord and Savior. To, to the, the glory, glory of the, of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit our, our Counselor and Guide, we dedicate this building. For the worship of God, for the ministry of the Word, for the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, for the salvation of persons, for the building up of the Church, for the administration of holy sacraments, for the education and nurture of persons of all ages in the truths of Christian faith and the development of Christian character, and for the specific purpose of increased ministry to our community's children and students. We dedicate, dedicate this, this building. building. For the blessing of all people, young and old, for the single, for those who solemnize their marriage vows, and for sanctifying a home and family life, for the comfort of those who grieve, for strength for those who are undergoing trials, and even for the care of those who disagree with the foundational principles of faith for and upon which this facility was erected. We, we dedicate, dedicate this building. For sympathy and fellowship with the needy, for the cultivation of love toward all people, for essential unity with all believers in Christ, for the fostering of good citizenship, for the resistance of evil, and for the promotion of righteousness and justice in public life, and for missionary endeavor at home and abroad, for worldwide evangelism, as well as for the betterment of our local community, regardless of their theological convictions, until the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and his Christ. And because, because we, we have, have received, received so much from God, God and desire so much to share, share what, what he, he has given. given. Would you stand as we read this last paragraph, the dedication together. We, we now, the, the people called Marin Covenant Church, grateful for our heritage and mindful of the sacrifices of those who have gone before us, consecrate ourselves anew to the worship of God in spirit and truth and to the service of all people in the spirit of Jesus. And we dedicate this facility in the, in the name, name of, of the, the Father, Father and, and the Son and, and the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Join me in prayer. Almighty and eternal God, might you be pleased to dwell within this facility. We acknowledge that we have offered our words 
here with those words, the offering of ourselves and all of that which has been erected and that which was before. Come, Holy Spirit, dwell in all corners and within this that has been erected. God, might you chart that future with no hesitation, showing your people gathered here the pathway you want them to follow. And so God, as we have dedicated this facility, we also dedicate ourselves anew to the mission that you have called us to, to go and make disciples, not just here, not just within Marin County, but within the larger region and the entire world. And to you be all praise, glory, and honor. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, I was kind of intense and serious and good. Um, it's kind of like a, uh, a wedding service. You know, it's intense and good. And uh, in fact, uh, this morning, I wasn't sure kind of what the tone was going to be. I get a text at 6 in the morning after I, too, have been praying for a good hour and a half or so as well. And I get this text that says, hey, let's suit and tie it up. And I'm like, I already like ironed my one pair of slacks and my other dress shirt. But thankfully, I did have my wedding suit um, out. So I got my wedding suit that I wear for weddings and bar mitzvahs and building dedications. And so <laughs> we're going to just kind of transition our, uh, our task this morning where we're going to move uh, to kind of that, to, to the toast and to the charge of, uh, of what we've done. And I don't know about you, but I love the end. I love endings. I need them. I, I mean, I never thought this day was going to come. I mean, I kind of hopefully thought it was going to come in October, and then uh, I've had three months of character building, but it is finally here, and we get to celebrate. But if you notice, all things in our life, we're never at the end, even though the way, unfortunately, we think of things, we are always moving towards the end. We have high schoolers who are second semester seniors who just cannot wait to graduate high school, and they're going to graduate high school, and there's going to be pomp and circumstance, and they're going to have this big party. But that's not the end, right? Because then they have to go to college. And then they're going to wait all the way through college. And they're waiting. And then at the end of college, they're going to celebrate. And they're going to get a job and get a car and fall in love and get married. And that's not going to even still be the end. They have to live life and be married. And they're going to have kids. And they're going to have kids. I mean, it's so great. Someday they'll be potty trained. And then that, but that won't even be the end. Finally, those kids will go off to school. And they'll be, this is so great. And then even more so, we'll all finally be where Jeff is. And our kids will all be away in... Uh, in school and be empty nesters, but then you still have to finish up the work task, and then someday that'll be done, you can be retired, and then you're dead. And that's kind of the deal. And if we're not careful, what happens is we, we are always looking to finish something. And when we're done with that thing, we celebrate and we're so excited, and then we kind of slip in this little depression because we're like, 
well, what's next? And we think, and also we have some other tasks to accomplish. We just are always going, hoping that that next thing is going to fulfill us. But we need to understand that there's never a what's next is going to fulfill us. Because uh, the poet, the English poet and playwright T.S. Eliot said, to make an end is simply to create a beginning. Every end is simply a beginning to a new season and to a new phase. And as we transition, as we think about this end of the building, we are done with the actual facility. But that is simply the beginning of embracing of what God has for us as Marin Covenant Church to think about moving forward in ministry and all the things that we've hoped and dreamed. Um, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew 25, verse 17 to 23. We're going to take a look at a, a familiar parable. Because what we're going to see throughout this morning is that every well done is followed by a let's go. And we need to pause, we need to stop, we need to embrace the well done. But that well done is simply a launching into a let's go. So in Matthew 25, Jesus tells this parable. He says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who was calling his servants and entrusted them, his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey, and to the man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags of gold. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, there'll be other Sundays where we'll get to unpack the rest of that parable. But I just think this morning, it's, I think we can actually stop and embrace and share in our Lord's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with a few things. And now I'm going to entrust you with some more things. This last Wednesday, we had MCCU. We had over 200 people come and uh, have dinner together, do classes, uh, do children's ministry, youth ministry. It was an incredible event. And uh, I feel like from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock, this place was just packed and buzzing. And it was so great. And as everyone was starting to leave and as everyone was moving on, um, Art finally made his way back from his class and, uh, and walked. Uh, and I saw him walking through the lobby. And he had this glow, like this, like... Like he was settled and peaceful. And, uh, and that's pretty unique for art, but it was great. He was settled and peaceful. And he walked up and we started visiting. And as we were visiting, I, I genuinely felt like God's pleasure was on him. And I got to stand next to him, so I got like some of that. But uh, I think one of the coolest things about having art as a lead pastor is he gets where we've been and the people who have built this church and where we came from but he also gets where we're going I mean art is old he's really old and he's gonna die soon and um and art thought well that'll be really sad if I die someday that'll be the end but that's not who art art is art is thinking what kind of legacy am I gonna make what kind of impact am I gonna make and for five years um when we're in this midst of this gigantic recession he goes you know what now is the time, and let's do this thing and do this building. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie, I was one of the biggest naysayers. Who does that kind of stuff? I was too busy with other things, and art pushed forward, made it happen. And, uh, and I felt like at MCCU at the end, it was like, oh, everything that he'd been working for, and we as a church have been working for, we got to sit and embrace that. So art, well done, good and faithful servant. And, um, and art... 
wasn't, it wasn't just art, it was also our entire congregation and leadership team. I mean, to, to say yes, to, to get in on this thing and go for it. To, well done, good and faithful servants. And for Brad and Scott, who have invested countless hours and time, well done, good and faithful servant. To the MCC5, or MC5, that's redundant, I guess, MCCCC5, who uh, did the whole fundraising so that we could actually get after this thing and so faithfully and generously raised money and contributed to making this thing happen, well done, good and faithful servant. And Joe, and on behalf of all of the teams that put the scene together, well done, good and faithful servant. So thank you so, so very much. But like we talked about, I mean, that's enough of the toasting because we get that with every well done, there is a let's go. And we as Marine Covenant Church do not want to just sit and be like, oh, our building is so great. We have purple walls. Um, I mean, that's awesome. But we don't want to just sit there forever because we get that this well done is simply a launching into what's next, into a let's go. And we understand that we are a church that is deeply rooted in Scripture. And we take the, the words of Christ seriously when he says, Go into all the world and making disciples of those, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. We take that seriously. We are going to go into all of the world. We understand that we are part of a denominational family who has its deep roots in this pietistic love for Jesus Christ, this devotional love, heart for Jesus Christ, where we want him to mold us and shape us and transform us. We are informed by that, as well as we are formed with understanding this discipleship isn't just about us and our personal growth and sanctification, but it is a, it is a sanctification that propels us into the world, a world where to be full of um, compassion and mercy and justice. Those are the things that shape us. When we think about let's go, those are the things that inform us. And in our local context, we get that we are in Marin County. This is our home. This is the place in which God has planted us. And we are going to go full of love and grace and mercy and truth and justice in the American way. I'm just kidding. Um, here in Marin County, we are going to be a light here. And this is where we're going to be. And we as Marin Covenant have our own DNA where we are going to engage with the spiritually hungry all people who have this itch, this scratch, this something that kind of is leading them towards Christ, no matter where they are on their journey, we are going to engage them so that they may make a step closer to Jesus Christ towards a faith that is intelligent, inspired, and involved. And that's the kind of church that we're going to do because we know that every well done is a let's go. And because of this building, we are going to be missional in our context we don't, people don't have to make ex excuses and go, oh, the church. We expect the church to be moldy and have water coming into back doors with sandbags. We, oh, it's the church. We love God, so don't worry about that. We don't have to, like, people don't have to, like, go through all these mental hoops and jumps in order to come and be welcome here because we have a facility that will welcome them and that will embrace them and care for them. We have a facility that makes space for a growing children and student ministry that provides a safe environment, a clean environment, a large environment, so that we can truly reach kids and families here in this county. We have a worship space that actually is an environment that settles your soul, that allows you to be quiet and joyful and celebratory as we get to encounter Jesus Christ. And we have a building in which we can be hospitable to a wide variety of churches and to ministries and organizations. And in fact, this February, our church um, gets to be one of the locations for this National Justice Conference, and we're the location for the Bay Area. And over 250 people are going to come and embrace and be a part of that, and we get to host that because of what our church has been faithful in doing. And so with every well done, 
there's a let's go, and we are going to get after the things that we know that God has called us to do. But not everything is set in stone, and in this season of life, we actually get a pause and reflect and dream. And I'm going to pass it off to you, Art. Yeah. So Ben mentioned the fact that every well done is followed by a let's go. He also talked of a couple of other groups that were involved in dreaming about what we might do. If you were part of what we called MC5, and there were two gatherings, so they may not be at this gathering, but those are the, the team of five people that really led the capital campaign. If you're a part of MC, is any MC5 here? Any of you guys? A couple of them are? So you stand up, would you? I know you, neither of you like recognition all that much. Um, but thank these guys, will you? And there was another... There was another group that was dreaming of something and stepped out, and that was our building committee. If you're, if you're a building committee member, these are regular meetings and uh, driving nuts get a headache trying to figure out how in the world we do this and that, but they met regularly through this whole project. If you're part of the building committee, will you stand up? There's a bunch of dreamers. Thanks. And dreamers are important because not only is every well done followed by a let's go, we find in the economy of God that every well done is followed by a what if. An invitation to dream about what's going to be possible because we're asking that question, what if? Every divine completion is a takeoff point for some of the wildest, most absurd and unlikely dreams. God-inspired dreams. And we see that all over Scripture if we're really looking for it. In John chapter 20, Jesus encounters his apostles after his resurrection. He uh, comes and he says, peace be with you. He comes right through the middle of a wall while they're gathered in a room with the door locked for fear of the Jews. And because he knows they're already afraid, you know, and wanting to encourage them and make them less afraid, he walks through a stinking wall <laughs> without announcing outside, hey, brace yourselves, I'm coming through the wall, don't freak out. He just walks through the wall and appears and he says, and I still argue these are the most absurd and comical comedic words in Scripture, peace be with you. I mean, that's the last thing you... And it says that he recommissions them. He says, I'm sending you. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he makes these crazy statements like, when you forgive sins, all futuristic statements, when you forgive sins, they're going to be forgiven. If you don't forgive, they're not going to be forgiven. And I'm thinking of this text, and I'm thinking, all these apostles are gathered there, including Peter. Peter, the guy who denied Jesus, and Jesus heard it, and their eyes met when Peter denied him. And you don't have conversation between Jesus and Peter recorded yet. But Peter's there. I think he's probably back here in the dark recesses with his back turned maybe. 
And I've got to wonder if Peter had that question in his mind. What if? He's hearing Jesus recommission. He's hearing Jesus talk about the future. He's hearing these grand hope-giving dreams that Jesus has for the people who are following him. And all of them are shaking their heads. Thomas is there. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless... And then this is the occasion where you know, Thomas, Thomas is eventually in one of these rooms. And Peter sees all this stuff. Thomas puts his hand in Jesus' side and his fingers in the nail holes, and he says, okay, I believe now. In fact, you're not just my Lord, you're my God. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him for that statement. It would have been blasphemy if it weren't true. And they're all watching this and getting excited, but what about Peter? What if Peter's back behind all of those apostles saying, what if? That commission's for everybody but me. What if? What if I hadn't denied him? Oh, if I'd have only known what was really going to happen. What if I hadn't broken his heart? He'd be commissioning me too. But wait, he must have been wondering. What if he also means me? I mean, didn't he just make eye contact with me? I mean, any minute he's going to have the yeah, but. Everybody but Peter, I can use. And there's that what if, that spark of hope in Peter as I imagine it in my mind. What if he also means me? Because he's not going out of his way to exclude me. What if he still has something in store for me? And then in the next chapter, Jesus removes all doubt by restoring Peter. And even says to Peter, do you love me? Yeah. All right, let's get on with this then. Go and feed my sheep. But you understand, I'm the guy that denied you, right? I mean, they were arresting you. They beat the snot out of you, and I stood by and watched. You understand, that's me. Yep, I love you. Feed my sheep. Some of us are asking that what-if question, like Peter. In Acts chapter 1, every well done is followed by a what-if. You've got Jesus having finished his time on earth after the resurrection, and now the ascension is going to happen. He's going to be lifted up into heaven. And he gives instructions, recommissions again. And then you have this group of apostles staring up into the air as Jesus leaves. He, they've received a well done. It's sort of a sense of completion. Okay, he's gone. And they were looking intently up into the sky in verse 10 as he was going. And when suddenly, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Why do you stand here looking into the sky, remembering all the great things that happened in the past? Think of the future too, in effect, he says. This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him leave. In other words, they're saying, wonderful, enjoy what happened. Take deep breaths, build on what happened, but look forward. Think of all, he commissioned you for something. He didn't give you all the details. Don't just look up, look forward. You know, many of us walked into this building. I had the privilege of being by the secondary entrance over here when some of our students were home for Christmas and they came walking in, they saw this facility for the first time. And their jaws were dropping. Oh, they were like little ants. Look at what they did, the little guys, now the little guys, all they cared about was, where's the bush for us to hide in? You took out our bush with the tunnel in it. But they'll get over that after a while. 
One lady said, you know, I saw the pictures and the renderings, and I was excited, and I knew it was going to be nice. She said, but wow, I, I didn't think it would be this beautiful walking up here to walk in. You guys did a great job, she said. Well done. But remember, every well done is followed by a what if. It's followed by a let's go, asking what's next. But it's also followed by, okay, well done. What if now? What if this could happen? And what if this could happen? And what might God have for us? What if God's primary agenda for this building had very little to do with the building itself and everything to do with the people who built it? What if? Because we've learned a lot about ourselves. You know what, church? We are stronger than we thought we were. We are more unified than we thought we were. We are more generous than we could have ever dreamt of being. Nobody's missed any meals since sacrificing. Well, at least they haven't called me and asked for help with a Safeway card. What if the building was about the building, but it had more to do with what God wants to build in us and the people who build it? And what if... What if the strength and the spiritual depth we realized we had by staying unified during the fundraising and the construction is going to lead to things far greater than beautiful windows and upstairs restrooms? What if? Because we did not implode. What if God has it in mind for this facility to be illustrative of the new lives he plans to build? What if this is, as we prayed earlier this morning, this little divine whisper that says, what I did with stones and mortar and bricks and nails and glass in that facility? Oh, you, you think that's beautiful? Where do you see what I do with hearts and souls and marriages and families and lonely people, and schools, and your community, and other churches? What if the new space he gave to us is a space he wants us to use as a picture of the space he wants to build in our own hearts? For people whose spiritual hunger is rivaled only by their sense of spiritual homelessness. And what if what if God wants to make his home in your heart and use this fellowship to create space for him to make a home in someone else's heart whose soul is wandering streets we can't see? And what if this facility is not the fulfillment of a dream, but the birth of one? What if? What if it's not a landing pad, but a launching pad? What if? Who says great things can't be done? Who says crazy, absurd things we read about and have read about in Scripture and in books that everybody else but us is writing? Who says that can't happen here? What if God wants to do great things? Every well done. And trust me, we're hearing a well done today. Hear the well done, enjoy it. But every well done is followed by a what if. And man, I want in on some more what ifs, don't you? I want us to hear God's well done today. but I want us to hear his invitation to dream as well. I want us to learn from the great saints who stood earlier when I said, if you were here at the building of this building, would you stand so we can thank you? 
they handed a baton to those of us who are part of Marin Covenant Church now because they dreamt. As the Apostle Peter would tell you, sometimes those what-ifs come with shocking, life-giving, redemptive, world-changing surprises. You want in on that? Every well done is followed by a let's go and a what-if. I'll have you guys come up now. I'm going to have the band come up because we're going to conclude our time, you guys, in worship in just a moment. Every well done is followed by a let's go, and every well done is followed by a what if, and every well done is followed by a praise God. One of the most famous stories about Jesus in the New Testament is the story about when he saw ten lepers who had called out from a distance, ten people with leprosy, which had separated them from their community, separated them from their loved ones, people who couldn't now kiss their daughters anymore and make love to their wives or their husbands anymore, people who had to be outside of the blessing and the fellowship. and, the, and this, they, were, they were desperate, and so from a distance they had to cry out with some faith that maybe Jesus, this Messiah, was their hope. And those 10 lepers cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. This is in Luke 17. You can go look at it tonight or at halftime or whatever when your DVR is paused. Don't tell me the score, by the way, in a little bit, all right? We're just going through the day, going home to watch it. And so 10 lepers from a distance, do you think that Jesus could be who we hope that he would be? And they cry out from a distance. They're not allowed to be nearby. And Jesus says, you go show yourselves to the priests. Because the priests weren't just religious leaders, they were also sort of social uh, leaders. They were also the sort of the medical uh, community where they would say, you have been clean, you're now clean, you can now enter back in, go now to home and go kiss your wife and be part of our conversation and in the fellowship of men. And their hope was all bound up in that dream. And Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And you remember what happened? As they went, the text says, they were cleansed. It's this beautiful picture of healing. Now, many of you know the rest of the story, and I'll jump ahead and tell you, but then go back a half a step. The rest of the story is, as they were going, they saw themselves cleansed, and one recognized the miracle. And when he did, he had to go back, not to the priest, but he had to go back, and the text says that he fell at Jesus' feet and gave thanks. One. And Jesus, of course, says, where are the other nine? Didn't I heal 10 people, but the other nine aren't here, but the one, and this guy is Samaritan, this guy an outsider, this guy maybe a guy who didn't just sort of get used to maybe that he was a person who deserved blessing, maybe a person who had a sense of entitlement, I don't, but Jesus says, where's the other nine? Now, I don't want to vilify the other nine, friends, the other nine had faith that cleansed them, isn't that true? Jesus, maybe you're the hope, and those other nine... And the miracle that happened to them, in a sense, was a well done. Jesus said, do you really, have you really put your hope in me? That my transforming power can do something at the core of who you are and who you long to be that will blow your mind. Do you believe that about me? Do you hope that in me? Do you trust that in me? And those guys said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And their well done was they got healed. They got cleansed. And their leprosy went away. But Jesus says... Where's the other nine? Because your faith to the one guy, your faith, he says, has made you well. 
And he uses a different word. The nine had faith that cleansed them, but the one had faith that saved him. And the word used there is this full, complete deliverance and rescue and overwhelming salvation. It is the end of all things that we long for. Some got cleansed, and this guy got saved. This guy got rescued. The nine had the faith where Jesus could say, well done, you put, my trust in, you put your trust in me, and here's a building. And the one came back in worship and said, praise you, the giver of all gifts. And Jesus said, your faith has given you salvation. Not a building, but a calling and a relationship and a future and a hope. It was the whole enchilada, baby. Isn't that a great picture? Where's the nine? Where were the nine? The nine were going to do what Jesus had said to do. Go show yourselves the priest. They said, okay, and they did. They had faith in Jesus. They were getting healed as they went. They're like, we did what Jesus said. We had faith in him, and it happened, and we saw miraculous things. And on their way, they, they, they saw the fulfillment of it. But the one came back and fell at his feet, had to, was compelled to do so. The others, they were doing great ministry in light of the miracle. The others were busy trying to be obedient to Jesus in light of the miracle. But the one said, I got to put all that on hold. And I got to fall at the feet of the giver of this gift. And Jesus said, that kind of faith saves you. What kind of faith? The faith that says thank you to the giver. It was a worship response. And Jesus goes so far as to say, your faith can get you a building, but the faith that comes back in grateful response to that building unlocks the blessing and the power and the transformation that you have no idea what it's going to be like. And so like art, you guys, I just want to ask us as we come to this moment of worship, this moment of response, this moment of having dedicated this building, church, your faith has been rewarded and you've been cleansed. But will we be not just of the nine who said, man, Jesus is awesome and look what he can do. But will we be of the one who will come back and fall at his feet and say, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to live for you and I'm going to live out this healing. But, oh God, you are the giver of these things. Because that faith unlocks, is what Jesus said, more transforming power. What can we be and what will we do and what will be accomplished in all this? It is the let's go and what if, but I do know that what we can be and what we can do will be unlocked by our gratefulness to God. If the faith of the nine says, wow, look what God did in response to our faith, if that's where we're going to be, then we'll be able to show the world a beautiful building. But if we're going to have the faith of the one who sees the miracle, And then because of it, returns to the person of Jesus as a worshiping, grateful, thankful people. Then our facility will be the least of the glory that our world will see, my friends. And that's our call and that's our response. Let us go forward to experiencing the joy of Jesus' miraculous work. Going forward, let us go forward with gratefulness and worship that will continue to unlock his glory in us and through us. That everybody on earth will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Stand with me and let's worship our King.